This is the Clean Soul Podcast, and I'm Dennis Curtis. Today's podcast is titled, Our Great High Priest. Jesus Christ is now our great high priest, and he will be forever. We're going to look at two Old Testament characters that talk about the position of the priest. And I'm not talking about the Catholic priests or the Episcopal priests or any other religion. I'm talking about Old Testament and New Testament priesthood. There are two priests that are shadows or types of priests that help us to understand the position of the great high priest, Jesus. We'll discover that priests are called or chosen by God, required to be obedient, offer sacrifices, pray for others, pray for themselves, and there are great benefits to being a priest. God also wants His priests to glorify Him so that all people will be attracted to God and understand God's loving kindness and His righteousness and judgment and all of His characters, characteristics. I'll start with the first priest mentioned in the Bible. His name is Melchizedek. In Genesis 14, 18, we learn about this guy, Melchizedek. Why is this important? Well, the writer of Hebrews uses Melchizedek to describe the type of priesthood Jesus occupies. The verse follows Abram's victorious return from a local war. Genesis 14:18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now that's pretty interesting. He brings out bread and wine. So he knew even thousands of years before Christ, that the bread and the wine were like a communion. They were a blessing from God, and they represent the body and blood of Christ to us. He, okay, so let me start again, Genesis 14, 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. The book of Hebrews explains this quite well. So let's read Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. Here we go. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains priest forever. So what do we learn about Jesus from Melchizedek? Number one, king of righteousness. Jesus is the king of righteousness. King of peace. Jesus is the king of peace. And Melchizedek blessed God's people, Abram. Jesus blesses us through his sacrifice, through his resurrection from the dead. And he continues to pray for us today. Also, Melchizedek received offerings from Abraham. Jesus receives offerings from us, not uh, so much of our money, but of our time and our heart 
and also our praises. Melchizedek was called or ordained by God to this position, and so is Jesus. Jesus was appointed by God to do the work that he's done. Let's go to the Old Testament Levitical priesthood now. Aaron and his sons and their sons through the generations are called by God to be an exalted priest for Israel. Let's read Numbers 3, 3 and 4. Those were the names of Aaron's sons, the anointed priests, who were ordained to serve as priests. Nadab and Abihu, however, died before the Lord when they made an offering with unauthorized fire before him in the desert of Sinai. They had no sons, so Eleazar and Itamar served as priests during the lifetime of their father, Aaron. Skip down to verse 10. God is speaking to Moses and says, Appoint Aaron and his sons to serve as priests. Anyone else who approaches the sanctuary is to be put to death. Whoa, that's pretty intense. God had appointed a certain lineage to be those who came into his presence. And there's a whole... uh, Interesting point about that, when the priests came into the Holy of Holies, they had to come with the blood of the Lamb, and they sprinkle it all over the furniture inside the Holy of Holies. And so only God would only have Aaron and his descendants do this. I want to mention the word anointed. Earlier, by God's instructions, Moses would pour oil over Aaron anointing him as God's priest to perform the duties assigned by God in the tabernacle. This anointing with oil pouring over his head, running down on his beard onto his clothes, is a physical symbol of the spiritual anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon Aaron and his sons to do this holy work. Two of Aaron's sons died because they were rebellious, not doing exactly what God requires. And being in such a high position, there was no forgiveness for their sins. God here is trying to teach the whole community of the very importance of being obedient to God's laws. Boy, I'm sure glad I'm not under the Old Testament covenant. We have the New Testament covenant, and if we sin against God, we come to Him, confess our sins, and He is righteous and forgiving and cleanses us from all sin. With that kind of background, let's look at Jesus, our high priest. This is not an exhaustive study by any means. We could probably uh, go for 10 or 12 hours of straight lecture about the high priest, Jesus Christ. But I want to start in Hebrews 5, 7 through 10. I'll read a few verses, and then I'll comment on it. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Even though he is the Son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus' life, 
and his purpose was to exhibit who God is, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, and living this life without sin was no easy task. He was ridiculed, mocked, he was lied to, he was tested, people fought against him, they beat him and murdered him by crucifixion. That is why it says he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. God had showed Jesus that he had to die for the sins of the world. And Jesus said yes, even through the the decision points and, and getting close to that death. Jesus said, yes, Lord, I will obey you. And God's looking uh, for obedience from us, too. He learned obedience through this suffering. And through suffering, he became perfect and has provided salvation for you and me. For all those who have faith in him, our great high priest. Remember what faith is. Faith is knowing the word of God, hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, and being obedient to God. Next, let's read Hebrews 4, 14 and 15. It goes like this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus is our great high priest, and he has been tempted just as we are, and he didn't sin, but he died for our sins, an innocent man, a righteous man. He has offered prayers not only for himself, but he has also offered up prayers for us. And he has been given his life as an acceptable sacrifice for all the sins of the world and all who come to him and ask for forgiveness and decide to follow him in true faith will be forgiven. He was raised from the dead and he has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he continues to pray for us. The Bible says that Jesus continues to make intercession for the saints. Now, I want to switch subjects just a little bit, because I've talked about uh, the Old Testament priests, Melchizedek and Aaron, and then I talked about Jesus, our great high priest, and that how he is the high priest over Israel and the Christians. He's the high priest of all the world. But we also have a calling to priesthood ourselves. Let me explain. First of all, what do priests do? Number one, looking back at, uh, thinking back of what we just went over, they pray to God, they offer sacrifices, they intercede for people in need, they preach the good news about the kingdom of God, and everything that Jesus did, he modeled for us so that we could be like Jesus. As we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, we do what Jesus did. We act like Jesus did. We 
uh, become little carbon copies. That's actually what Christianity means. Christian means little Christ. So God is preparing to give Israel the Old Testament covenant on Mount Sinai. He's speaking to all the Israelites, and let's read Exodus 19, 5 through 6. It goes like this. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So three points here. Number one, obedience is required. The priests of God are his treasured possession. We are his treasured possession, which I'll explain here in a second. And lastly, God is the one who is choosing the priests. He's telling the Israelites in this case, if you do what I'm telling you to do and you follow my commandments, you'll be my treasured possession and you'll be a kingdom of priests. All Israel was called to be a priest and a holy nation set apart to glorify God. This means the finest of provisions in every area of life if they're obedient. Remember when he brought them into the land of Canaan, he said it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Everything good was there for them. When they came in, the houses were already built. The vineyards were already planted. The fruit trees were already uh, blooming and producing fruit. All the provisions were good. But why would God do something like this? There's one main reason. God loves people, all the people that he created, and he is trying to find a people in the Israelites at this time that would be obedient to him, follow his rules, follow his commands, and be this rich, beautiful country, and God would be their God. This would attract all kinds of people, people from every country, from every race, every status in the world. People would see Israel and say, wow, who is their God? And they would find out that it is God our Father, Yahweh, loving, kind, righteous, just, a perfect place to be. This is almost identical to the call for Christians or actually the statement for Christians. Let's go to the New Testament, 1 Peter 2.5. Peter's talking to, uh, to all Christians. You also, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So with these two verses, what I'm trying to say is you and I are called to be obedient to God's commandments. And in so doing, we are called to be priests. How do we do this? What does a Christian priest do? Well, number one, we offer sacrifices. But it's going to be different than the blood sacrifices of the Old Testament. For example, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you, will be, you may be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We are to be 
living sacrifices. Jesus was a sacrifice through crucifixion, and we have been uh, died to ourselves, and now Christ is living through us, and God wants us to live a holy life, a living sacrifice for God. Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. We are to bring the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And in the Old Testament, we are to raise our hands, play instruments, sing songs as a sacrifice to God. Finally, preach the kingdom of God. That is another thing that the priests, Christian priests, do. We preach the kingdom of God. Listen to 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. This is Paul talking to Timothy. And Timothy was the leader of a church. And so he was told to preach the word in season and out of season. What that means is, is that we need to know the gospel well enough to be able to speak about it. And then when the Holy Spirit tells us to preach to somebody about the gospel or to correct or or love somebody or or, uh, cry with somebody or rejoice with somebody, we are to be to other people what Jesus would do to them, what Jesus would be to them. So we are to preach the gospel in season and out of season, ready when the Holy Spirit says, preach the word. And I want to say that a lot of times when God has called me to say something to somebody, it doesn't have to be specifically the gospel. It could be uh, helping somebody out in some way, maybe uh, telling them about a Bible verse or encouraging them, whatever it is. Sometimes it seems so inconvenient or odd for me to say something, but when I know the Holy Spirit is prompting me to say something, that's very important that we say it at that time. That's what it means by being out of season. In season, pretty easy. You, When it's very obvious, we know that we need to speak a word to somebody, but out of season, sometimes it seems like a really tough place uh, to say something for the Lord. Now, Philippians 4, 6 teaches us that the priests of God also pray. And I'm only giving you one scripture here. There's many scriptures. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So just like Jesus, we are to pray. You see, Jesus continues to pray for us. He intercedes for us as he's ascended to the Father. He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, and he is interceding for us. That's his purpose in heaven, to continue to pray for us. I think you get the idea. We are to be like Jesus. Though he is the great high priest, we are, if you will, like junior priests, under the great high priest. We're offering sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving, of raising our holy hands, preaching the kingdom of God, praying for others in need around us. God is good, and he has called us into this ministry of being a priest. And we have the great high priest 
who is over us to love us, to take care of us, to show us the way to the Father. This has been the Clean Soul Podcast with Dennis Curtis. If you have questions or comments, feel free to visit me at thecleansoul.org.